0: So we'll get rid of Rudy. Yep. And then I guess we can start with, huh? We kill
1: Oliver Anthony.
0: You want to? Well, because yeah. I actually was interested in what you as a musician had to say about all this. But maybe you're just sick of talking or thinking about that guy.
1: Yeah, a little bit. And there's so oh. many people like that, dude. Like, I just, I don't want
0: to You can't about even. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, I don't know what like, I'm not that, to talk about him uh, and to really like get into his psyche and think out loud about like what he's actually trying to do. I'd have to like go back, probably watch the entirety of that clip where he's saying that he's being used, and he was talking about the people on the stage. I'd have to watch more of that, and I'd have to sit and think about it. And I don't know. I just think he doesn't know a ton of lots of stuff that kind of doesn't make any sense and. To, to, Yeah, they saw someone that they thought was speaking for them, and then he said that diversity wasn't, uh, and then that actually destroyed his momentum because they were like, oh, this guy doesn't totally love black people.
0: and That's what is interesting, I think, though. I see it as showing that there is a distinction between conservatism and reactionism. That, to me, is the takeaway from him.
1: Well, I think you've already summed it up quite nicely
0: well maybe that's it I maybe mean right when we're
1: misinterpreting songs from uh, o- Oki okay. from Muskogee to Born in the USA like okay. that's you
0: have classic. all kinds of things to say about this Callie
1: photograph <laughs> 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 a and the lessons learned every single presidential election there's a whole raft of cease and desist letters that go out from bands who tell generally the republican candidate to stop using their song and that happens all the time i mean they impose their own thinking on songs that i mean this is this is like a classic conservative move to completely get it wrong right like Mm-hmm. It's like they read these lyrics and they have this confirmation bias, except it's the confirmation is completely wrong. Like they don't understand satire. That's why you know, born in the USA remains this song that they still interpret despite the, the, the numerous articles that have been written about it. And the fact that Bruce Springsteen is the, the perhaps one of the biggest gushing, bleeding hearts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was astounding when he wrote 41 shots, I think, or maybe it was called American Skin, but you know, the song Mm. about police brutality and all these right-wingers, it it was long enough ago that they didn't have, they they hadn't co-opted the word woke yet, but they were essentially like Mm -hmm. accusing him. They were so surprised, surprised. You're surprised by Bruce Springsteen, who has always been an outspoken for the underdog Mm -hmm. uh, God, you're you're surprised that he would write a song about that i mean they don't they misinterpret everything and they're not particularly about satire
0: that's why i think your perspective as a musician on that is interesting because it's like people are always looking at works and analyzing them for what they think that it means and that's nice on a certain level, but on the other hand, if you're just blindingly wrong, I'm sure that's gotta be frustrating as well.
1: I mean, look, I think there's a desperation among conservatives for like cool points that like they probably wouldn't admit to, but it's why, for example, you can get Mark to appear in a scraping the bottom of the barrel rap, awful fucking rap video. Which we talked about, Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, at the same time that they're constantly disparaging so many kinds of art, and particularly Black art, they they desperately wish they could capture audiences in those ways, right? They desperately wish they had that kind of cachet. It's why I remember when Donald Trump was being inaugurated, there were so many stories of who he was trying to get for the inauguration, right? Like, he wanted to, he was willing to offer... The, the count was like up to seven figures to so many different artists and bands and everyone was turning him down and he wanted that association that coolness by association they get, ended up getting like what was it like sublime or something like some band that's like way past its day but like he was really smarting mm-hmm. from the fact that he didn't get to have his like Beyonce moment right like I mean and that's who he's always been but I think that's like the story of like conservatives overall is like they're always attempting to convince people that they're cool but they're not associated with cool culture in any way and so they're they constantly are trying to glom onto something that can maybe give them Mm -hmm. that but i think that when like look most creative people most of the creative people that we are aware of right are not right wing it's why the right wing is so happy when they get
0: Mm -hmm. fucking
1: Kevin Sorbo or a what's his name? Scott Baio. Like it's always someone whose like career has been sunset forever ago. Mm -hmm. And they're just like desperate to have an impact on I think they realize that what I'm not talking about like culture wars. I'm talking about like popular culture. They realize and this is the thing that they complain about constantly, right? Is that liberals control the culture. And what they mean is the culture that people are fascinated by, that people want to watch, that people want to dress in, that people want to cloak themselves in, that people want to be associated with, that people want that kind of cultural like, they admire culture. They want a piece of that and they know that they don't have that, which is why you have something like yeah. TPUSA, whose job is supposed to cultivate that and, and who fail at that miserably,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely existed. Like, I I mean, I can say that from having been on the right, but more recently, my, my favorite example of that is that they have lately actually been embracing former porn stars or current porn stars, actually some of them but but it's been very fraught embrace actually
1: like who so like who i'm unaware of well, this friend d-
0: well only one of the biggest porn stores in history of uh, jenna jameson actually is a republican now i did not um, know that yes and she's on twitter all the time saying deranged <laughs> mega things and getting all kinds of uh retweets although i think the funniest or actually kind of sad to see to be honest there's another woman who's still performing her stage name is Brandy Love and she went to a TPUSA event she paid money to be just an attendee because she likes republicans and wants to hear them talk, God help her. Right. But nonetheless, so she pay, she buys her VIP ticket and is just milling around the convention space. And I guess maybe she bought a friend, brought a friend or something. And, and like, she's one of the biggest active names in the business. And so of course people recognized her and were just trying to talk to her or, or whatever. Like, but she wasn't, she was just literally there in the hallway talking to fans and she got kicked out. She got kicked out of the no. event.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: And it was Nick Fuentes who did it, actually, because his well, I guess he didn't directly do it. But so his so TPEosa and Nick Fuentes are in this eternal battle for the exact yeah. same constituency, which and of course, the Charlie Kirk side never wants to admit that and the media never makes him admit it. But nonetheless, so his, so the Nick Fuentes fans were getting onto social media and being like, look at this disgraceful thing. They're Uh bringing this slanternly woman into a conference where teenagers are present. (laughs) And it's like, well, those teenagers probably are the ones who know the most who she is. (laughs) (laughs) Out of everybody there. And so, but anyway, and so, yeah, like. It was, it was spreading in all these far right circles and how, and they were trying to scandalize them. And and so, and then basically eventually it filtered up to the top and they had her thrown out and she learned nothing from the experience. Sadly. Right.
1: Yeah. It's good to know that she took absolutely nothing away from it, but we, we were going to talk about this. This is, I'm realizing these are completely connected things. The whole idea that Trump and his mugshot that he's now... Got this
0: street cred, street
1: cred, <laughs> and that black folks now love him. I mean, it is the layers of racism in this. Like Fox News, just sees on this. Did also the thing about it is it's kind of this weird thing they kind of have to juggle, right? Because. Specifically, when Jesse Waters did his whole segment on Trump's mugshot and how it was basically building a whole new fan base among black folks who it's just criminalization gets high ratings with black people, which is just a Mm -hmm. fallacy and stupid, super racist thing. But he says in the segment, black people have always felt unfairly targeted by the criminal justice system. And there's some truth to that. And to kind of ended on this note of there's a new forgotten man, the black man. So fo- Fox is finding themselves having to kind of toggle between the idea that there is like
0: Oppression. actual systemic
1: racism, right. And that it's outsized within the criminal justice system. While at the same time, adhering to their line which is racism doesn't exist and black people just need to get over it and it's some kind of mass delusion and they're having to like run interference between those two polar opposite ideas so they can push the idea that like Trump is like Trump is the new Tupac and they literally compare one of the talking heads that came on the evil I think he called him evil Pee Wee Herman which is oh but yeah, like they he they literally compared his mugshot you know, to a few white celebrities, like I think there's Elvis Presley. Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra, but oh. it's so I just like it's astounding the way that the right they're constantly admitting how they think black people are so fucking stupid. I mean, it just it never ends and just the lack mm-hmm. of awareness of what they're saying the fact that they think black folks will misinterpret what they're saying to be complimentary i mean it's just it never ceases to amaze me just yeah the low incredibly low opinion that they unwittingly admit to having of black people
0: yeah no i I agree with that although i will say there was one black republican because i was actually looking for this on twitter to see if there were any Black Republicans, what did the Black Republicans have to say about this <laughs> bullshit? And overwhelmingly, they were not repeating this crap. But there was one, Laverne Spicer, who was like oh, this yeah. far right... right. Street. Yeah, so she with said... Her with her yeah, street. so she said, and I'll quote it, Trump became a hood billionaire, billionaire. overnight. Yeah. He's now yeah. got the street cred. and But I couldn't find any other... Black Republicans who were saying that most of them were like, "like, okay, guys, you need to shut the fuck up about this stuff."
1: (laughs) Well, and also, I mean, for Black Republicans, it's like the millionth message that they've gotten that the people that they associate with have the absolute worst opinions of their community, right? And probably, Mm -hmm. and some have tokenized them to be like, "you're different," which maybe they're okay with, but like. How could you, the messaging that you're constantly getting is that your people are the absolute worst. Like if anything, you would think that some kind of a light would go off. But, you know, the other thing is black Republicans. I was looking at, I think Harrison Floyd. He's the guy that Hmm. he's from black voices. Yeah.
0: and He's one of the 19 indicted people in Georgia. yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, one, it's interesting that they don't think that his mugshot would do anything because black folks are, it doesn't matter if it's a black person being criminalized, right? But he was on Steve Bannon's show and he talked about how he thinks he's being targeted because he's black. And and that's an idea that Steve Bannon asked him a kind of loaded question to push him, push him in that direction. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that when the right finds it convenient, they are always willing to play the race card. I mean, we know that we've talked about this mm-hmm. on multiple episodes, but this is such yeah. a case in point of it. And
0: yeah, well, the other thing that was interesting about him in particular with this is that Republicans have been constantly going on about two tiered system of justice. Yeah. Like that's the, the, seemingly the only thing that the first thing they say about anything to do with Trump's criminality and right. they're trying to claim that they're being oppressed and being subject to extra unfair judicial or law enforcement activity. But that whole incident where they all had to get their mug shots and be arrested. And the one person who had to stay in jail, yep. it was the black guy. <laughs> and so, and it's like, well, there is a two tiered system of justice. That.
1: When I saw that, I wondered when he sits with that, how does he reflect on that? or, the black guy on no, 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 yeah. January 6th, who at that point, he's there have been some people whose sentences have surpassed it since then, but at that point when he was sentenced, he had been given the longest sentence of any of the January 6th defendants. And I wondered, does the, does that how does that when you take that apart when you're alone in the dark, does it make you realize anything? Like does it trigger any kind of revelation for you? And
0: uh, mm-hmm. Probably not. Well, probably not. yeah, when well, it's it's funny um, that you say that, because like a thing that I've been and it, it's this is such a complicated topic that I haven't written anything in prose about it yet. So I've just I tweet around the edges of it. So you're you're this will be my longest sort of public discussion about it. So thank you for being my guinea pig here. But and that is that. So basically, The problem that the political divisions that we have in in this country are there, they manifest in different ways, whether it's racism or religious bigotry or discrimination against xenophobia, sexual and and et cetera. But a lot of it, a lot of it comes, I've realized that a lot of it comes to the way that conservatives in general think, which is not using logic. Um, and I actually had to dig back to my own way of, of thinking back in the day. When I was a very strict fundamentalist Mormon, I always thought that I knew there was no proof that First Nations people were the descendants of ancient Jews. Uh, but that's what my religion told me. And I believed it. And I believed it not because I could prove it, but because I felt that it was true. Right. And so, like, so, and it's basically, and, and I've been looking at in some of the cognitive psychology papers out there, and they actually have a term for what this type of thinking is. And it's called intuitive reasoning. And it's basically, it doesn't use logic to reach conclusions that uses sort of common sense or in formal logic, there's a term for this type of thinking. It's actually a fallacy. Sometimes they call it the appeal to common sense, but Mm -hmm. it's more commonly known as the appeal to ignorance. And that is that if I don't understand how something, if I don't understand an argument, then it's not true. If I can't understand an idea, then it's false. If I can't envision that something is true, then it isn't so right. if i wasn't there to see humans evolve then they didn't evolve right <laughs> and so and like that type of it's like and everybody in there, every person uses this type of sort of rule of thumb thinking like we we all do it every day yeah. something like if i if, i don't know you're driving on the road or something and you're like oh i better slow down here because there's always kids at uh, this intersection or whatever, or crazy people crossing the street over here. So I got to be careful. Like, that's the type of of re- of thinking that we're talking about here. And it it's fine for an everyday common situation. It's not harmful. It's fine to for driving you, but- down
1: the street. It's not for an entire, like, prism on the world. I think that's so true. But I, I also think it's so ironic that, like, I do think that the right is mostly and conservative voters are generally moved by their emotional response to things and yet all of the fuck your feelings oh i'm talking logic people are on that side and so, they
0: claim that they're logical at the same time
1: right i mean that's i feel like they think that the, that's sort of the, like logic is this whole problem to the right and it just isn't true
0: no it isn't but 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 here's the thing though like and ironically it is the conservative david hume who kind of made this point first as a philosopher and what he said was that people that our emotions are what drive our actions and our thinking and that reason is the servant of the emotions Um, and that you're actually in a bad place if your reason is your primary motivation because You have no regard for your fellow human being. And so the reason is to protect the emotion. And so like that's and I think that's I think that's right. I think that is a correct point. And it does describe how people do things. And like, even though we might not want to think that, I think we all do that. And but what's the difference between sort of conservative thinking is that they don't think that they do that. So Did I make any sense? <laughs> right.
1: yeah, they don't think that they do that. Yeah, I mean, I've I tend to always think of conservative brains as being just far more motivated by fear and reactive to fear, and that's a thing that studies have actually shown. Have shown, and, yeah. You know, enlarged amygdalas and when we do, if they're shown a scene, I think we may have discussed this in another episode, but when when they're shown scenes, if there's any sort of lurking danger in the background.
0: No, we haven't done that. I don't think.
1: um, Mm -mm. They tend to, when they trace the way that their eyes move, their eyes always tend to be drawn to anything that could be seen as a threat, even if something Mm -hmm. in the foreground is not so they're hypervigilant. They literally have enlarged amygdalas They or amygdalas. I always get a little confused about that pronunciation of that word. But I mean, that's like a real thing. Like there are, and I'm sure that I mean the the, the reasons for that are both they have to do with where you grow up and trauma and mm-hmm. you know lots of all that stuff all together. But we know that that those that's how their brains yeah. differ. Literally, that that we can look at that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And the good thing is, yeah. And the good thing is, I mean, that you don't, you're not sentenced to that as your whole life. Like, and I can personally attest to that, (laughs) you know, having broken free of that environment. But yeah, I mean, like, so intuitive reasoning, though, like that is the kind of cognition that animals have that they, like, if you put a dog in a bathtub, they know for the rest of their life that. If you go in the ba- bathtub, you're going to get wet and have a bath. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah.
0: And so they will stay away from the bathtub. <laughs> and I'm and, and like, so again, and like, and, and it isn't to say that conservative who would, would listen to this and be offended and say, oh, Matt just compared us to animals so to and dogs. said we are as dumb as animals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's like, but, but remember that I also said that we all use this type of intu- intuition reasoning. I and mean, it is yeah. like, it is common sense that is what this what we're talking about here but but common sense doesn't work as a way to evaluate science it doesn't work as a way to evaluate political policy it doesn't work like you actually have to use what what cognition scholars call uh, reflective reasoning mm-hmm. that it's reasoning that's capable of thinking about itself and then modifying itself because if you if your only form of reasoning is well, I don't think this is true, or I think it's true. That doesn't make it true. (laughs) How you perceive something has no bearing on whether you are correct. Um,
1: Yeah, it's making me think about the fact that I think, well, one, there's a lot of, uh, I think, particularly on the right, when we see the kind of policies that they sometimes endorse against their better judgment. I think there's a lot of pretending to think that way, obviously, when they don't. I mean, we could talk about politicians overall, but but I think mm-hmm. about that a lot lately because of Vivek Ramaswamy and the fact that I just listened to a really great- I
0: was just going to mention him, yeah.
1: That was about, I mean, one, we've seen him change his opinion on, and he's relevant right now for us to talk about, obviously, because he's got all this momentum- at least in the press. I mean, I don't know what the latest numbers are, to be honest. I don't know how much of a like flash in the pan this is. It's just like the, he, you know, on the night that he had his kind of breakout star night, which was the first Republican debate, that people were talking about him. I don't know that it's actually changed the numbers in any way in his favor. Well, I mean, he's like um,
0: second or third, depending on the poll, most polls. I and mean, and we'll so see if the debate does anything, but.
1: And we don't know that Uh, that that'll be lasting, right? I mean, that we have their sudden sort of like star turns and then their 50 minutes are over. But people are talking about him a lot and it's partially because he's saying a lot of uh, insane shit that I think he (laughs) uh, generally knows is insane. He's running furthest to the right of anyone. I, I, I don't think that he generally believes a fair amount of the stuff that he said. And uh, I did, again, I was, I was starting to mention that I listened to an entire program about him with a, a journalist who'd been embedded with him on the road for a while and who talked about, and I do think this is kind of what lends his like rise, uh, lends itself to his success, is just the confidence with which, he, which, which he's willing to say demonstrably false things that he's aware of are false. Um, but he says them with, he says them in a way Conviction. that makes them sound real, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and he talks a lot about I- integrity and truth. I mean, that is literally his is campaign slogan. Hilarious. The truth, right? Yeah, which is hilarious. But that he absolutely resorts to, I think, as a practice and not as a the, the default mode that he's actually in, but he recognizes that that's the form of thinking that's popular among the base that he's trying to reach. Mm-hmm. Do I think he has some fucked up ideas on race. And yeah, I think that's probably always been true. I mean, the reason why he's running now and the reason why he sort of removed himself from the company that he started was when the uprisings were happening in 2020, he was getting pressured. And he's written about this too. He was getting pressured to say something meaningful and substantive about Black Lives Mattering, and he refused to do it. So I think he's actually sort of invested in that. But, but I but I think he also recognizes the usefulness of anti blackness as a campaign strategy and just racism overhaul because we saw mm-hmm. the other day the way he used Nikki Haley's birth name that was intentional. Yeah. I mean, it's and yeah, yeah. Although. <laughs> Well, it points oh. to his understanding of racism, right? He talks about how there is no racism, but racism doesn't... That there's... Pockets, but there, you know, yeah, but, individual incidents of racism, but we don't yeah. live in a racist country. But but then, it's why does, does he recognize Yeah, right?
0: because like, cause like it is interesting that when you look at Republican politicians that are not white, mm-hmm. it is interesting that Indian Americans have been, seeming to have been the most, like, the most at the presidential level, there—that's who's been most common. So you've got both Haley and Ramaswamy, but then before that, you had Bobby Jindal, and again, and this is a guy who is going by Bobby, and like it's to some degree, like it is, like they're all trying to. It's it, again, it's like going back to the same thing, like with this whole Trump and black people voting for him because he's a criminal now. Like they all are trying to perform whiteness in a sense. In the same way, like with Ramaswamy, he's, unlike Haley, has not had a conversion to Christianity. So he still identifies as a Hindu, but he's running as a Christian nationalist Hindu. And it's actually a really weird dynamic that he's trying to way that he's trying to struggle basically he's trying so in india right now they have a really horrible right-wing party oh
1: yeah he loves, uh, he loves yeah like
0: that. yeah and, and basically his message to the to the christian theocrats is to say look yeah i'm not a christian but on the other hand i love theocracy and i'll let you do what you want so don't worry about it um that's basically what he's trying to say to them and and, and the reality is that will never work. these people will never support him and like one of the one of the most unfortunate moments in American religious recent history that happened nobody knows about it and I only happen to i't forget how I even learned about it because it's very not very widely known but there was a mini capital insurrection in two thousand and six I believe it was, and when a When uh, Harry Reid, who was the Senate Majority Leader, had invited a Hindu priest to give a opening prayer in Mm -hmm. the Capitol. And that was outrageous to the Christian right. And they were all whipping themselves into a frenzy, trying to get him banned from doing it. And they couldn't do it. And so he came to the Capitol and was starting to deliver the prayer. And these people broke into the Capitol rotunda burst into the floor and started screaming against him and how how he was betraying jesus and they were sorry lord that we had allowed this pagan abomination into our country and nobody fucking talked about this story when it happened and like it's it really is a disgrace to the national political press that it's so uncommonly known but actually the guy who was behind it he was at January 6th, he was one of the leaders of an anti-abortion group that was there that day, getting people to come to the Capitol and overthrow the country. And like, that's, this is the kind of shit that Ramaswamy, he'll never be able to be Christian and white enough for these people. And he can't see that. I don't think he can see that. Mm, Or maybe he doesn't care.
1: I mean, the Republican field right now is, The most diverse they've ever had. They had seven candidates, non white candidates, who were running. One of them just dropped out Suarez from Mayor of Miami. But there's a degree to which every single candidate of color is playing on using anti blackness to a certain degree, playing to a, a white audience that wants to, that believes deeply in an ahistorical telling of American history, and which just, wants to not hear that there's a problem, but they reassure them and they deflect from the racism that is very present in their party. I mean, that's their job. That is the job of a non-white Republican candidate is to make white conservatives feel okay about racism, to reassure them that it isn't real and that they certainly don't believe in it and that they don't have Any kind of the grievances that you're seeing from people like militants, like Black Lives Matter. I mean, that's that's the messaging that they are indulging. Every single one of them does the kind of the folksy storytelling. But their story is how their parents defeated racism through individual effort and pluck, which is a Mm -hmm. bullshit kind of respectability politics way of pretending like these things aren't systemic. Right. He doesn't talk about his Hinduism. He doesn't bring it up unless he is questioned about it. So that I think there's a fair amount of people who come to his meetings or who are on the right, who are becoming aware of him after that debate performance, who don't know that he's Hindu. And it's certainly not something that he brings up. I mean, he plays it as safe as he can in terms of playing up any proximity to whiteness that he can find and kind of speaking around the the things that make him anomalous as a candidate, except of course, for when he's talking about race involving black people in which he, in, in which, you know, case he constantly demonizes them and says that, that, that actually black folks and Hispanic folks are, and this, this is the point he repeats over and over. And I think he may have even be the, been the person who sent me the piece that he was about to enter into a huge podcast deal with uh, Ben Shapiro's brand. And that fell through. Yeah, and wire. suddenly he was interested in running for, President, I mean, he knows how he's someone that he knows how to, he's incredibly charismatic. I will give him that. And I think he's very interested in having his name be its own brand and leveraging that in any way that he can. And I think that's what this whole run is about. I don't think he would even take the VP position where it offered to him because I don't think that he's interested in politics in that way. I think he realized that he could get out and he could out talk, he could talk circles around the other candidates. And so far, that's what he's done. I don't think it'll mean much in the end. But it's, it's definitely added to his star power. But
0: it doesn't have to. But it doesn't have to.
1: Okay. So I really want you to watch this clip, by the way. Just do a search for Ted Cruz and beer. But so Ted Cruz appears in this video snippet. I don't know what he was actually on. I'm sure it was like some Fox show or something. But where the backdrop is all these dudes with beers and he's okay. holding a beer and he's complaining about this new guideline that's supposed to happen and the guidelines are not it's not like they're laws okay <laughs> these are like recommendations he gets it wrong in the clip anyway but the what's coming down the pike supposedly is the recommendation that men should only have two drinks a day and women should have one that that should be the cutoff right so he gets the timing wrong anyway well, because doctors
0: have been drinks. saying that forever
1: well i think it was <laughs> units like there was a there were more units that they they changed it they've lessened the number of units that are recommended but the okay. point is he in this clip he says you know if they're going to make this recommendation if they're going to try and keep us to two beers a week democrats can kiss my ass and he takes a beer <laughs> and takes a swig out of it and what must be the cringiest fucking incredibly awkward but totally on brand for ted cruz version of, of, the culture wars acting out <laughs> performative nonsense. And it's just, it's just silly.
0: Does he at least silly. finish it?
1: No, it- he takes like a sip and he kind of holds it and he's trying to do <laughs> so, so painfully, just like the painful posturing and awkwardness yeah. of watching him is just, it's worse than the DeSantis forced smile.
0: <laughs> oh, so I very clearly. That
1: clip a million times.
0: Oh yeah, no, it Sad is though. great. I do love that one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that we're gonna have look. to put that in the show notes for Please everybody. Please do to watch it as many times as you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a uh, great catching up. And, yeah, uh, we'll do it next
1: week. Sounds good.
0: Yeah. Bye. Bye.
1: Oh,